Well, you know what I say. I don't practice Santeria. I ain't got no crystal ball. Well, I had a million dollars, but I'd spend it all. Welcome to Readings from Scott. I'm your host, Kip, and with me is Steph. Hey, Steph. Hey, Kip. I, uh, if I could find that Heine and that Sancho that she's found, I'd pop a cap in Sancho, and I would watch Ntoku. What I really want to know. <laughs> ah, baby. I did not know that you could also find these lyrics. I was completely hoisted by my own petard there. I was just blasted, destroyed. Well, usually you catch me completely off guard, but this time you uh, happened to mention a song that I had listened to earlier today, so it worked out for me. I I didn't know that like people knew the lyrics to Sublime songs, like besides like the chorus, though. Uh, I mean, anybody like me who has been a uh, almost lifelong pothead probably knows quite a bit of sublime lyrics that's fair yeah um i have had a weird experience this past week where like every time i wake up i have instagram just showing me a picture of your food from like a mexican restaurant from like four days ago and like it's a new notification every day and i'm just like what's going on i've like swiped no i don't care about this so many times I completely understand. I think the reason is because I used to be really big on Instagram and I took a break from all social media for a while there. But while we were on vacation last week, I just happened to have lunch at a very, very good restaurant. And I was so impressed by my dish. I was like, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a while and take a picture for Instagram. And uh, even my wife was like, are you 12? And I was like, well, no, but I'm trying to get back into the social media shit. So I keep getting notifications about, oh, your picture has gained this many (laughs) views now. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't want this in my life. Why are you doing this to me? So this is what I get for one time trying to be basic and post a picture of my meal. Yeah, that's the Internet, though. Sometimes just like this weird stuff of like, hey, like, do you want this video? Do you want this like crib? Do you want this and that? and just. Uh, I right. and my yeah. answer is always no, never, none of it ever. Though, one good thing is, um, I have like used some of those like programs and lists to like block most most ads on like Twitter, so I get Art. the weird shit. Um, I get like the people that are like promoting like their like drawings of like blueprints for like polo shirts and shit and it's like this is great like i want to see like your like promoted polo shirt design docs this is perfect why wouldn't you honestly i mean that's the peak of art uh so i don't use my personal instagram anymore it's kind of like my facebook where it's like oh i probably shouldn't get rid of that or i really should but that might not mean anything so i might as well keep it just in case i ever need to like contact people who i only know through there you know like no emails like no numbers that kind of thing i found out the hard way with facebook that if you actually go through the process of trying to deactivate it they will start sending you like nonstop emails and text messages because zuckerberg literally has all of your private information and he will do that until the day you die um so what i did was just delete the app off my phone and i literally haven't been on it for like a year and a half now 
Um, so I still have people that sometimes out of the blue will like text me and be like, why are you mad at me? What are you talking about? Well, we haven't spoken on Facebook and I'm like, I don't have Facebook. How can you not have Facebook? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like you're part of the problem. That has to be like a whole different ball game too. like having like a child and being like, oh, like there's definitely like more engagement expected or whatever, or like more something there 100%. too. Yeah. Have you ever had to like eat at like a restaurant, like under like clear duress and just like deal with what you got? I feel like that's a lot of my restaurant experiences actually. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Like I am definitely when I was dating, I didn't go to a lot of those kind of dates. So like that might be part of why it's like a, lesser experience for me but um i remember one time like i was like on like a 12 hour layover for a train when i was super broke in college and i went to this like <laughs> blizzard the only thing open was this like mexican restaurant on like main street in the middle of nowhere and i got like the worst like mole burrito and like just the worst like um uh, what's that like um the worst mojito and i just like had to sit there for like an hour trying to pick at this terrible food and this terrible drink mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. been there because i'm also the person that um is petrified that i'm going to make the server feel bad so i won't complain about anything no matter how terrible it is and i'll just be like yeah, no, uh, there's only two bites off of it because i just wasn't as hungry as i thought i was and i'll still tip like a ridiculous amount because I know what it's like to be a broke person that is trying to work a service job. So yeah, I'm 100% there. I like tipped everything, but like it was just kind of thing where like I just felt bad eating it and just it like kept that day even more ruined, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But also when like you're like traveling by like train and you're not in like a modern country, that like that's like what's gonna happen as far as that goes. <laughs> Uh, and by modern, like, I mean, like, I was in the U.S. where we, like, don't have, like, real, like, trade service. <laughs> we got some housekeeping, though, which is, uh, there's a lot of stuff is kind of, like, getting close or, like, starting up now. So I wanted to, like, uh, address some of that before uh, we talked about um, our subject for today is uh, Comrade Hibiki episodes 30 through 36, uh, which is a lot there but um for housekeeping uh we have to talk about our fall book club um and then how we're doing more of the show so i think first uh let's talk about uh what we're doing for this show for camrider hippie so we have passed last episode was like the kind of halfway mark of the show even though it's technically more than half whatever uh but um we have to plan um, the end of the series, the movie, and the hyper battle video. So we were thinking uh, that n for uh, the Monday before our next episode will be when we'll have the movie uh, Comrade Hibiki um, and the Seven Senki. Because uh, I guess you haven't seen a Lady Comrade movie, like, right? Um, uh, yeah, I was. 
I tried to think on it because there are a couple of things that I've kind of just watched off to the side, but no, I absolutely haven't. Um, and I think that I came across it at one point while I was um, going through our episodes and making my notes. And I, it was a very big challenge for me not to click on that and start watching it. As we all know, with Kuga, I have no impulse control for the most part, but I was trying very hard with this series to, um, you know, play by the rules. So, no, I haven't watched it yet. So Kuga is the only movie, is the only show since like the series came back in like 2000 that um hasn't had one of these movies oh yeah no i'm talking about the fact that i binge watched it when we were only supposed to do like five oh, episodes yeah. or something <laughs> and i just got into it and i couldn't stop so yeah um for Comrider and um like in general the movies aren't super canon um and by that like they're be off to the side or they could technically happen but like um oh yeah i understand that and that's actually something that's pretty common with like western shows too so i i definitely understand that whole um thought process was kind of making movies their own kind of standalone thing yeah um and then um as we're continuing the show um the final two episodes will have uh six episodes each so that is uh for next time episodes 37 through 42 and for the last episode episode 43 through 48 uh and that just leaves the hyper battle video um they're kind of like short specials i think this one might be like 10 minutes long they're super duper not canon uh but they're like fun they're in every show so uh for episode uh, uh for part six so next time full on we'll look at that like as well and then the final part will just be this episode. So it's nice and clear and free. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and that brings us to, we were talking about based on what people said or like, Oh, uh, like what I found. Uh, we have some candidates for the uh, fall book club, which is our next look at something that is as seasonal as this. Uh, so would you like to hear the, um, long list now the um uncut list we have so far absolutely lay it on me should i give context as we go or should i just say the names give me just like the uh tldr context okay there are 22 options on this fantastic can't wait they're grouped in two categories uh we'll cut this down a like fair bit um commander fies uh the first show i watched my favorite it is very much deep in its shit, like very much a like drama where sometimes cover writer stuff happens. Um, it's about kind of um, people that are being very existential and dealing with <laughs> their relationships. That's the best way to put it. Um, it is themed after um, a next step in human evolution and the company that tries to exploit those people. Um, and then there's option number two, Carmurder Deno. Um, Carmurder Deno is a fan favorite. It is also somewhat reviled for being a less mature take on Carmurder because it's brighter and there's more fun. Um, it is about a train that can travel through time and tries to help people who are possessed by demons that go back to their most tra traumatic memories. Holy um, shit! Uh, there is Carmurder Blade. 
is the series right before Kamurada Hibiki. Uh, it basically asks, um, what if four people were angsty um, and had to deal with the fact that uh, they had to stop the end of the world, but uh, hated themselves. It is a lot of fun. Uh, it is great. Uh, but um, then there is a number four, the series after Comrader Hibiki, the Comrader like Kabuto, which dares to ask the question. Oh, um, for Comrader Blade, um, that is based off of playing cards and has like a a 2001 The Space Odyssey meets like a Battle Royale thing going on. Uh, oh, wow. But no, uh, for Comrader Kabuto, it uh, dares to ask the question, what if a fan fiction self-insert OC was the main character of a show and just a real piece of shit to everyone around him, but also really cool and like well-dressed uh, <laughs> and really good and like good at everything. Um, that's that. Um, it's more tech based. It has like the basic plot is like, what if there were aliens that could take on like human appearance? Oh, okay. Interesting very twilight zone uh then there's option five for this i become right a kuga slash aguto because we could actually go in depth on kuga or we could go on into depth on comrade or like aguto which is uh this it starts as a sequel to kuga but quickly kind of abandons that to do its own thing but they are like very similar stylistically like it's like uh the first two shows from like the modern era kind of thing mm. okay that's interesting there's option six come writer Forze, which is what if high school and astronauts were common writers uh it's <laughs> it's the it's the first one that and the only one on this list that's from the second phase of the modern era of uh the um hey Sai, like phase two so like it's like technically like not the most like current era, but still um it's odd. It has a very endearing cast, but it is like very much like my thought was like the school year starting and like stuff like that. It's very much like a lighter show that is like trying to be more toyetic and trying to be less of a like drama like about people. But it oh, still gotcha. has a fun cast. Uh there's Comrade Kiva, uh, which is what if uh social anxiety was really a problem and also there were monsters made of stained glass and that's like a lot of fun like as a like series i should note that there are alumni from uh comrade hibiki in both deno and kiva um i think that i'm actually going to stop you right there and say that because i've also actually uh seen talk about kiva before and listening to your description of it that would probably be the one I went with. We have a couple more, though. Uh, this is a big list now. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. I'm just big. saying, just just keep in mind that that's one of the ones that has already sparked my attention. I so will mark that. I'm going to star that on my list also, and just, we'll, we'll keep it in mind. Now we're in the, um, like, Sentai section mm -hmm. with Jetman. This is the series uh, directly before the series that got, like, adapted into Power Rangers. It is one of people's most beloved series. Um, it's just a team of people who have like bird themed costumes and have jets. There's a lot of 
romantic tension. There's a lot of fight scenes. It's probably like as far as like the classical Sentai before like the modern era, like a lot of people's like favorites uh, there. There is Mega Ranger, which is um, the fourth show that got adapted or the fifth show that got adapted into um, Angel Power Rangers. It is a lot of fun. Um, it is also like it's also high school and the space themed, which I didn't realize until I said that, but it's a beloved series. That was like some like really fun uh, t- designs and characters. There is a uh, number 10, which is Time Ranger, which is about time travel and about just um, the main plot beat is that like in the year 3000, the um, like Red Ranger gets killed. And the rest of those rangers go back in time and they meet the great, 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 great grandson of that Red Ranger and they force him to be their Red Ranger and help them stop the like timeline from being destroyed. Oh. Uh, then there's number 11, which is uh, an oddball, but it is called Akiba Ranger. This is a parody of the whole like franchise. It's like basically. What if there were three people um, who had to, through the through the power of their own delusions and their pain, become a um, not official like Sentai, and they're like working there? Like it's like a much shorter series. It's a more comedy theme. Like there's lots of stuff. Like let's have like a like cosplay episode, that kind of thing. Oh, cool! And that is the, the Sentai corner. Uh, and then for the Ultraman corner, uh, number 12, which is uh, Ultraman like Ginga, that is the start of the modern era of, of like Ultraman. It's low budget. It's trying t- to do a lot with this franchise, like when it had like a lot of like problems and like no money. Uh, it's like kind of a like love song and like a very short kind of like I'd attempt at that. Uh, there's Ultraman like Trigger, which is the currently running show. It's getting a lot of like great buzz. Um, it it's like low key trying to like remake or like redo a like former show uh, for like the modern time. Uh, there is Ultra Q, which is the show that came out before Ultraman and was a Japanese Twilight Zone, except there were sometimes more tr- traditional like Toku things like kaiju and stuff. Uh, that's probably one that takes that spot I'm going to say as far as that like mark there mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. there's number 15 which is Garo which is the 2005 first entry in the Garo franchise this franchise is crazy as shit uh, basically what if we made the angst of a like 2000s like Toku but had more blood and nudity or like had some nudity it's much more of like a dark fantasy like think like Alice in Wonderland or think like Dark Souls kind of thing it's like very much like probably like fairly close to Hibiki as far as like it's oh like Magical Knights and that kind of stuff it's very like very odd but it does spawn like a like modern franchise where like most shows have it uh, there is Rukendo which is a show about a small a, a like small town kind of like dealing with a a like demon invasion and uh its charm is in how in depth and consistent 
it gets with the small town and talking to people. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, now where things get a little weird, but uh, there is the drama sampler. There are two shows uh, that are aimed for adults. Um, one is called Diimagine Canon, which I have not seen, but the best I could tell is it's what if a gigantic clay guardian and a modern day woman were in love and then there's the interesting shugeki karajanin which is kind of like what if uh there was a like modern day woman who was trying to like hang out but then power rangers happened and she was like shit <laughs> i'm here for this fuck uh, these guys <laughs> yeah basically there is the show a sampler which is basically like for shows from the 60s and 70s just like sampling like a bunch of those there are lots of those and i like felt like it was kind of like oh like maybe we'll look at like a lot of those in a more like hit and run fashion there oh uh, yeah and we're getting to the end here but uh there is power rangers which has a like few like a few smaller options which is uh to start it off or to start where we left off last summer before you were here, which was uh, Power Rangers Zio, which uh, that's either way, honestly. But then there is uh, Power Rangers RPM, which uh, was the show that came out when the franchise, when people thought the franchise was being canceled, and they decided to do a very self-referential and like meta-series, and then the show wasn't canceled. So it just like lives on now. In like a lot of people's like heads is like the best show they've done or like the only good show that like they've done and like also like there's lots of stuff like the cast of this show is like the most successful as far as like actors of like Heidi Power Rangers like before course since honestly so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then uh, the last three which is to look at the show of Godzilla which is just uh, those movies from the 60s and 70s there is Heisei Godzilla, which is less movies, but it's uh, from the 80s and 90s. Like, uh, the main thing there is that those timelines don't interact, so like they can be taken separately. And then there is the last option, which is Gamera. Gamera is the Pepsi to the Coke that is like Godzilla, a big like saber to flying turtle. Um, there's a lot to do there, but it's like very <laughs> much like an odd franchise. It was very like kid friendly and like janky and then went very dark in the nineties. Uh well, as most things did, and nineties were actually pretty fucking notorious for that. I think you had too many of those options. Um, I actually put stars next to the ones that because I was writing as you were talking, as I do. Um, but I actually put stars next to the ones that I was kind of excited about. So we can kind of discuss those and, and go from there. Um, first one, obviously, was Common Rider Kiva. I like the idea of dealing with characters that have social anxiety because I definitely do. Um, and then Ultra Q, because I'm obsessed with the Western Twilight Zone. So I like the idea of having something that has kind of like the spin that these shows seem to have on that. Um, so I think that'd be cool. And then... Um, is it Gara Gara? That's Garo. Uh, Garo. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, definitely wrote that wrong. The 
kind of twisted Alice in Wonderland. I love all things to do with Alice in Wonderland or, you know, anything that kind of like self-references that. So, um, and the Power Rangers RPM. So those, oh, and uh, the Akita Ranger, the parody of Sentai, just because I had so much fun with our Valentine's Day episode. So those are all things that I would definitely um, enjoy giving a deeper dive to. So that was four of those, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to bring in four as well. And then next time we could do a little cut down there, bring that down to like four or like three. But I um, did want to give another look at Murder Fies and Deno. And then okay. at the uh, 90s Godzilla. And mm-hmm. then from there, I'm going to say... Um, I did want to give a look at uh, the um, who I'm split between some Ultraman or some like Jetman, but I'm going to say uh, for the heck of it, um, Ultraman Ginga. So for next time, our uh, eight options are Commander Fies, Commander Deno, Commander Kiva, Akiba Ranger, Ultraman Ginga, Garo, Ultra Q, Power Rangers RPM, and Heisei Godzilla. So down from 22 to 8, and then uh, the plan is to, like, get down from that to, like, 4 for that last episode, and then make a... Cool. We're, like, doing, uh, what are those, those March Madness brackets? Yeah, doing a bracket. Yeah, love it. I actually, I would not be opposed to Ginga at all, just because when we did those couple of episodes on Ultraman, I really enjoyed that series a lot. It gave me a lot of the same, like, comfortable kind of... This is uh, a context I'm comfortable with uh, storylines that a lot of 90 shows did. So I I don't feel like I'd be disappointed one way or the other. Would it make more sense as a bracket if uh, for the movie episode, we do those eight for the episode, like part six, we do those four. Then for the last one, we have two to pick between. Hell yeah, I'd love that. All right. Because I think uh, there's a very fun... Uh, the crucible here is very interesting. I think as far as like what these are, I want to represent a lot, but also like, I'm also like, <laughs> let's have fun of it. But yeah, like I was like, Oh wait, there's like nine shows from the sixties here. And I don't have a really great pitch ready of them. Let's make a sampler, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. For like, sure. Oh, I should care. But, and if anybody is listening who has very strong opinions on any of these, please let us know. We are 100% receptive to any sort of uh, direction that you want to give on these. Obviously, I'm a complete newbie and Kip's seen most of these, so we're we're open to suggestion. Yeah. For this list, at least, I was like trying to pick stuff up. About like half of it I've seen, maybe, so <laughs> there's some gaps there. All right, so we are down to eight there for 22. And then we get down to four, and then down to two, and then down to one, which would be a lot of fun. But for right now, um, there is a more pressing, more modern concern, and that is uh, Comrade Hibiki. It's back. Uh, it's different than ever. Oh my god, is it? <laughs> Let's... Uh, sh- Do you want to go through the first two episodes in like summary and then talk about that or just like start with what's different here because the question i want to ask you because you know as i've said before you have had a lot more experience with these but 
between episode 29 and 30, was there a time gap that I missed? Because one of my first notes is that um, Adachi and uh, Akira both look older in this episode than they did in 29. So I I was wondering if I kind of like missed some context, like there was a big break in between seasons or something. Cause they both suddenly kind of looked like teenagers when they'd looked like children before. So, or maybe it was just my imagination. I, I I'm not entirely sure. I think chances are they might've been like filmed in batches maybe. And it had been like two months, which like mm-hmm. can be the world at that point. Oh yeah. At that age. Absolutely. But I think it might just be the lighting and everything they're doing and like it's like late summer at this point and they're being filmed outside and in the dark and they're being filmed at like different angles and like way different lighting too, you know? And they both definitely had different hairstyles than they'd had before. Yeah, that, that too, I something think. something that I 100% picked up on and, and, you know, they kind of played it off as like this little passing time like in their school year. But I was just wondering if there was something that, you know, I had missed off screen about the amount of time in between the, the filming of those. Because we get like the weird, like timeline of, um, here's two episodes happening in the same day, but like they aired over like two weeks there are like definitely points where like, we're supposed to see that like time pass. But I think, um, part of that might just be that this show is now leaning into being a drama much more too. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, that's something I noted several times. It kind of went from being this um, very much of a uh, Sentai show to almost like a soap opera. And I think that's the biggest change that you notice. Like, it it goes from being more focused on the monsters and superheroes to kind of being like, oh, look at all these love crises we suddenly have. It was just, it was weird way to kind of get back into the series yeah um so as somebody who's seen most of these like first 10 years of like modern like i'm writer um that is definitely something that is a natural part of these shows is that they are very urban they are very like dramatic they're very like much leaning into like the soap opera aspect stuff and like um it's it's weird to see this show that was so different start doing that and it doesn't at the same time like the show's not losing as much of itself as i thought it would but it's also very clearly trying to like pretend it's a different kind of show like um it reminds me a lot of um come writer ryuki which is a show that came out three years before it that was like very angsty it was like what if a bunch of boys got these like card decks that let them fight in mirrors um and they just killed each other and like cried about it and were like very upset (laughs) all the time wow (laughs) yeah yeah, and I, I honestly, because of this kind of transition from where we were to where we are now in this set of episodes, I felt like the transition that they made was very dramatic. But, you know, compared to what you just described, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't that bad at all. Like, it's not as it's both as bad and not as bad as I has like what I thought. Cause it's like it's trying to be Common Rider from like 
last year or like three years ago, but also, whoa, <laughs> this is not what the show was before that. Exactly. Uh, and actually, one of the notes that I wrote was that it almost, it went from being the show that was, it at least surface level seemed very um, level headed and very slow burning to something that was almost like a novella or something like you were just, you went from this place of, Oh yeah, maybe eventually they'll get together to all of a sudden everybody is like thrown into these situations that are very relationship oriented and very, um, everybody has to, you know, be with their one and this, that, and the other. And it kind of took the focus off of, what I think the show originally started as, which was, you know, we're going to go out and save the world from these monsters that are popping up. Um, and that almost seemed like it took a, a passenger seat to the interpersonal yeah. relationships, which kind of annoyed me. A way that I haven't described Comrade before, but I think I will forever more now that like I just like, had this idea. Is um so Kamen Rider is a bunch of philosophers smashing their action figures together. Like mm-hmm. that is the franchise. And I think um just for Hibiki, it was it wasn't trying to be like the here is these two philosophies clashing. It was trying to be like, how do you live? Like how do you enjoy things? How do you feel fulfilled? Like there wasn't the same like peril of being. It was much more like the horror of being if that makes sense like it wasn't like you were like immediately going to be undone but also you were just like more dealing with like the day-to-day of like being a person which is just a different thing you know yeah 100 percent. and i think that the reason why that makes it so different from what it was before is because before it was very much a show that you could get kind of lost in like you had these ideals like you and I've discussed before about how one of the things about Hibiki was the fact that he was kind of bucking the traditional uh, role of having to get up at a certain time and do a specific job and go home and not really have much of a personal life. Like that was kind of something that the show was railing against, but it almost seemed like in this set of episodes, it, return to that you have to have these very specific goals in mind you have to fall in love and and you know have a perfect relationship and then you know once you accomplish that then you can go out and fight the monsters but if you can't get that shit settled then you know you can't do anything else um and i think that's part of the reason why it annoyed me because it got to this point where it wasn't really about living in the fantasy realm anymore it started to become way too close to home. And it's like, I, I don't consume media to be reminded of all the shit that I'm trying to escape from in the real world. Like, I, I want to live in a world where all I have to do is fight some monsters. So it, it I don't know, it just, it, it took a turn that I didn't like that much. And I still like the show and it definitely yeah. has a lot of redeeming qualities, but just parts like that, I was like, this this really isn't what I was, you know, expecting from this. This wasn't the storyline I was expecting to follow. This show was rare in that it wasn't about people who were 21 getting into shit. 
and like not expecting it and dealing with that. It was about people who were used to being adults who had already made their choices on certain things in their life and people who were like coming into their like teenage like years and like being like kids and also being not. And there's just like much that tension is just like so different. And then to see that like kind of conflict thrown into it is just very strange. Like I like other Kevin Rider shows because there's so much about that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work as well here. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And even the characters that were playing kind of um like backseat support roles before, mm-hmm. they kind of got pushed to the forefront. But they did it it was almost in a way that felt kind of unnatural. Um and once again, not a criticism of the series itself because it I do still think it's a very good show and I'm looking forward to the next episodes, but it wasn't what I started out watching. And it's kind yeah. of a um it's kind of a jarring change to kind of make that transition to okay, well I went from watching something fun that's kind of like this escapist fantasy to now I'm watching something that kind of mirrors real life in a way that is sometimes uncomfortable because it is way too familiar. I would love if like there was like a book or like a like anime or like a like manga that told the story how it was intended to be from the creators because like it's clear that they're never going to Snyder cut record another season or like half season of the show from like 2005. But like just, there is an interest there. Um, I like it from the perspective of like looking at this weird kind of like two plants that like bonded together thing. But um, to your point uh, before though, um, were you ever like a fan of like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Or? I, um, so, and this is going to sound weird, it always does to people. As much as I loved Sarah Michelle Geller, and I do implicitly, I loved the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Um, I think I watched two episodes of the TV series before I was like, I cannot dig into this. I, I get that it was revolutionary for its time, but that was right about the time I stopped really taking anything on TV seriously anyway. Um, so I didn't, I just wasn't watching a lot of television at the time. So. Okay. Um, so I am definitely lukewarm to critical on the series, but, um, in the sixth season, there's a like musical episode and, um, like it was beloved by people, blah, 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 like greatest thing ever, blah, blah, blah. Not really, but sure. Um, but, um, <laughs> That's what we're going with. the person that was like, my shepherd, I guess, like through the series that like had watched it since they were like a like kid, um, like told me like, oh, and you'll notice that like this episode features different cast members because they were the ones that were comfortable singing and like it's focusing on like their plot lines. That kind of feels like what this show is doing where it's like, oh, Hinaka really works in this new format, but her dad doesn't. Mm. And, like it's like, oh, like who's being featured has changed with like the show's priorities which like is interesting but also like i like (laughs) that the show was prioritizing different people and different kinds of relationships you know 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And I loved um, the kind of transition where it put Hanaka more in a uh, a front-facing role. I definitely enjoyed yeah, that. I don't like that they did that um, by making her the love interest of one of the heroes. I felt like on her own as an actress, she'd already established that she was funny and quirky and charismatic and she was someone that could have had her own storyline um and yeah they kind of pulled a really good gotcha with that whole thing with her and toto and their date and and you know when she said yeah it's shiny and it turns out that everybody had misread the situation i thought that was really funny and i enjoyed that but they they still, I feel like, aren't giving her enough credit as an actress for what she It was a nice quiet thing of. before, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that I didn't enjoy was the fact that all of a sudden, all these slow-burning relationships were suddenly shoved at the forefront. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that really annoyed me, and I really felt like it took a lot from all of the actors. I'm not just even going to say, like, the actresses themselves as like you know female um actors to the male counterpoints but it kind of took away from all of them because it i feel like it cheapened almost all of the relationships because it made it so where nobody could fucking function without having these things that before had always just been like well when we get around to it we'll we'll end up together and also like it's much less slice of life, yes, but also like there's lots of cases where things that weren't said are said. Like there's this point where somebody is, is like talking about like, oh, as the child of one of the founders of the order, you've been trained since birth to be an Ani like a Buki. And it's like, oh, okay. That was never more than implied, but you just said that like this to make it clear that we knew, which like I guess it's like how expedition works, but so what this show wasn't before this. Exactly. And that annoyed me before, or I don't, I don't want to say before it annoyed me because up to this point, Abuki had really held his own. I mean, like there was really no reason for you to question why he had been a hero or, you know, kind of why he'd taken up the mantle or how great his relationship with Akira was. It was just, it just was what it was, just like it was with all the other heroes. But then all of a sudden, like, she starts having this existential crisis because of the new kid on the block talking some shit to her. And he decides to, you know, spill his whole backstory, which ends up becoming part of the series in a big way. And it was just, it, I was just like, mm, it, it, once again, I don't know any other way to describe this, but it just felt cheap. It felt like you got cheated out of this whole experience of kind of growing with him like you'd done up to this point. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the new character, but first let's walk through what happens in like 30 and 31. Um, sure. So in episode like 30, um, Forging Premonition, we see kitten uh we see that my cat jumped on my screen but uh that asmu <laughs> and mochi talk about how he was changed by going to the mountains as they ride home he gets challenged to a like race by heather boy and loses as he swerves to avoid a puppy hitro and naka are sick 
So the rest of the cast has to help at the tea shop. Uh, that new rude boy is also in uh, their class at school as a transfer student. Uh, we see a like new Makmo kill a, a like businessman. It is a flaming wheel. Uh, we see this uh, new kid, Kiraya, is good at French, trumpet, shogi, drawing, and gets a special lunch delivered to the school while not caring about the rules. Sushi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the rules don't specifically say he can't have sushi delivered to him. Uh, punk. Uh, <laughs> he starts what is a trend of just calls Asma like boring right to his face and then gives him like another crisis. Um, we see Hakira jump off a moving bike uh, to get into the like fight as they like out the mock boat in the city. Um, we see Kibiki pitch the movie that's out now in theaters to some old woman. Uh, and we also see that Karaya fakes a, a like sprain to not be in gym class. Then they're at Karaya's house when his mom calls and says, Oh, um, for the first time, like you have a friend. How's your tummy? Oh, like, don't like mind him. Like, he's very shitty and that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, then Asmu says, Your mom is so pretty, completely different from mine, <laughs> which is fucking rude as fuck, fuck. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, Shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. As the mom, I was like, I would be just absolutely devastated if my daughter said that about me. <laughs> Shit, I was like, damn. <laughs> like, your Bob is fucking, like, out there. Like, your Bob is, like, the best. She's a hunter. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> She's gonna marry Hibiki before you can. You're a fuck, dude. <laughs> On the way home, they are a, like, witness to the Makamo, and they get saved by, uh, this kitten is my cat is just all up in my face right now. Uh as they are saved by Kibuki and Hibiki. And then when he sees Hibiki, Kiraya calls him his dad. And that leads to episode 31 surpassing father. Mm-hmm. Kiraya's dad was a dad firefighter. Kiraya's dad is a dead firefighter. <laughs> Kiraya's dad is a dead firefighter. Oh, oh, you're oh. Right the first time. Yeah, you're fine. Um Hibiki gets some help. From Asumo, uh, and we get a cool xylo- a cool xylophone version of the intro. Then Karaya says that he will be um, Asumo's friend now. He's seen the Audi, and then he just kind of is really shitty to people. Like, hey, like why do you know your dad? That's weird. So <laughs> when he goes to visit, like um, when he goes <laughs> to Asumo's like house, um. His mom says, oh, with five years, like, he'll be, like, just as handsome as, like, Hibiki is like, okay, <laughs> like, wait five years, you know, like, don't have, like, a countdown going or something, you know, but. Yeah, I had a major, um, this is problematic moment with that. Like, um, have you seen any of those, uh, subreddits where they're, like, counting down the days till celebrities are 18? That's what I was referencing because like yes (laughs) it's like oh what like who's a person man in uh, in 10 months ashley tisdale is gonna be 18 guys isn't that be great 
Exactly. Yeah. And I distinctly remember like there being a little bit of an uproar when one of the subreddits did that with uh, Billie Eilish. And I was just like, okay, she's actively trying to avoid this type of attention. And you guys are exactly what she was afraid of the entire time. <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. His mom, 100%, is a yeah. problematic person and probably would be a member of one of those separate. It's like, ooh, wait till I'm old enough to date Hibiki. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, like, it's not like there's somebody who's going to turn 18 and be like, man, I really want to have a bunch of shitty sex with like 4,000 people. Let's go. A bunch like, of suburban house husbands. Yes, I can't wait. So honestly, if one person ever did that and said, hey, all you shitty dudes come here, we're going to fuck 8,000 people. <laughs> like, that would totally be like a exception. <laughs> But that, well, not top, that'd be a whole nother subreddit because they'd be like, look what this whore is doing now. Hey guys, <laughs> I just turned 18. I'm going to pick eight shitty dads at random to fuck. Like, usually they have like a much better pick of the dads they want to fuck, you know? You'd think. I mean, because then at that point, they're probably picking from like celebrity dads at best. So they're like, yeah, I'll take a Brad Pitt and a. Uh, What's his name? Craig Nielsen. The ones and all those. Uh, I have a very specific set of skills. I was thinking Leslie Nielsen. That's not it. Um, I mean, maybe. I was thinking Ronnie Dangerfield. Oh, Liam Neeson. That's the one. Well, him and Leslie Nielsen. I mean, no respect. It, no respect. <laughs> that's Rodney Dangerfield. You're still I off base. <laughs> uh. Yeah, one time I was like at the pub and this and yeah, <laughs> at the pub. You don't say that, but no, everybody in ten months we're getting laid. <laughs> well, anyway, we were talking about common rider Hibiki. <laughs> yeah, we just went off um, on a rabbit trail as we usually do. But no, um, then we have this conversation where um, she's very pained, but lets him no details like on like his like dad, basically like. She gives a very good answer of, yeah, sometimes you just spend your whole life doing something and you realize that you've, like, grown apart from someone. Like, mm-hmm. there's no malice there. And uh, that is when um, he also talks to Lula Kibiki, um, who says, if thinking confuses you, then you just have to act, which is great. Um, and yeah, also- I kind of thought for a second I'd like to get that as a tattoo because that's kind of how I live my life. If I get confused, I just do something and then, you know, deal with the consequences if they happen. So, I, you know, I can get behind that way of thinking. Get a tattoo of a magic eight ball that says maybe and go for it. I was thinking a tattoo of Hibiki, but, you know, either way works, honestly. I would love a magic eight ball that was just like his head, like transform, not normal. But of course. But no. Uh, so then Hibiki tells Kiraya, yeah, go home and study. I'm not going to do like a contest with you. Weird echo. Uh, and then we see just uh, the trail is um, Hasuma is like trying to find his dad and goes to like a hospital, goes to his house, like goes to a restaurant, like goes to his job, goes to a work site, just all around. Uh, and then at the end, um, his mom shows up in a taxi to give him a like free ride and they go out to eat as Kiraya um comes 
to the fight to watch it as well. And then um, at the end says um, that Hibiki will be his. So yeah, there's a lot going on like, in this little arc. Uh, but most importantly, what do you think of Karaya? Uh, so I keep going back and forth on him. First off, the kid that plays him is a, an amazing actor. I will absolutely give him that from the start. Uh, he is extremely dynamic. He is uh, very able to kind of flit in and out of this role of never being quite sure what or who he is. So I definitely enjoy that. Um, and I also am, despite all evidence pointing otherwise, I'm not entirely convinced that Karaya is a quote-unquote bad guy. Mm-hmm. I I still am very much leaning toward him kind of just being a very privileged um, child who has always been told he was exceptional and is still trying to kind of find his footing, which a lot of us had to deal with. Um, so I, I obviously don't like how blunt and insulting he is to Adachi because I feel like he is, you know, generally... Like everybody says, the marshmallow, the snowflake, whatever you want to use to describe mm-hmm. him. He's he's a sweet kid. But Karaya is very talented and has always been able to rely on that talent and obviously hasn't had as much attention as he deserves. So I, I don't know. I'm not entirely ready to write him off. And as far as like favorite yeah. characters go, he's actually on my list for this week because... Once again, whether he turns out bad or good, furthermore in the series, just the way that his character has been played has just been exceptional. And I really enjoy that. Um, and, you know, he he looks like a member of like a K-pop band or something. And I almost wanted to write him off for that. But he okay. has really turned out to be a dynamic presence. So I I've enjoyed him so far, even the parts where he's kind of being a dick. So this is very fun. Um, I'll start with the more pressing things, I guess, in that. Yes, I agree. Honestly, like, so I've mentioned when we talked about like the live action, like Gridman and like stuff. And like, um, also like when we were, picking the show um Mm -hmm. there's a issue of knowledge and perspective just being like a bunch of people when they were younger or like a bunch of people who like maybe aren't thinking about stuff outside of what's cool in this franchise so like i had heard for years that he was like a terrible character and whatever and i was like he's just a shitty teen like he's pretty like he makes sense like there's nothing like that out there for him just like you could find like a guy like him at like a gas station if you're 16, you know? Like he's not that outside of the realm of whatever. Like he's like a stock character, but like he's doing it well, he's acting it well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, like anybody like me who was a 16-year-old who had a lot of kind of like emotional shit that they were dealing with, yeah. I mean, he plays that role just to a T. So I I don't know. Like even the times he was being totally shitty, I couldn't hate him because I was just like, yeah, I've been there. I know what it's like to be emotionally immature and not how to know how to really handle all your social situations as well as you should. Like we've all been through that, I think. 
And like he does change the show definitely. And he does like come in like a canon and have like the first couple episodes be about him. But like I still like the idea of him being the contrast for like Asimu and being like this like person who actively wants this thing mm-hmm. but like is unable to form like the connection and show the patience and like what you need to like actually get that thing. Yeah, and that's actually something I wrote in my notes later on is is he's a really, really good foil for Asimu. Yeah. And in that particular respect is just because you've got this one character who is like Snow White pure and doesn't know anything about life. And then you've got somebody like him who is already very jaded and trying to make that transition between being a teenager and being an adult. And they actually really work well together in that respect. And also, like, for, like, a series about training, he's the person who's always good at everything and doesn't do what he's not good at, you know? Right, right, yeah. And even if you weren't that kid, you knew that kid growing Mm -hmm. up. So it's not an unrelatable experience to have. And, like, we're all that kid to an extent if we were, like, gifted or, like, a pleasure to have in class where we're like, oh, shit, I can't do anything that I'm not good at in high school Exactly. Yeah, yeah. As a kid with ADHD, yeah, I 100% fit into that. I was always the gifted kid until it came to something I couldn't do just naturally, and then I just wouldn't do that thing. So, yeah, I get it. Um, And a interesting layer to this is that, so I mentioned how there were two characters from Hibiki that go on to be in different shows. Mm-hmm. One of them is like Zanki, who is in Comrade Kiva as a 1986 coffee enthusiast. That's all I could say. Uh, he, he he's a great character there. Um, like he, he's constantly like drinking coffee or like bathing and just a lot of fun. Um, and the other character is um, Karaya actually becomes a pretty major character in Comrider Deno, which is um the show that comes out two years from this. And by pretty major character, I mean like one of people's favorite characters in the franchise. He, like, was just in, like, a guest role last year, despite that show coming out in, like, 2007. He's probably featured in, like, 14 movies. Has, like, a, like, guest character, like, kind of role from that character. So mm-hmm. it's so weird to be like, oh, here's a role everyone hated from him two years before he became, like, one of the top ten most beloved characters, like, in this whole franchise. And it's interesting that, I mean, I could see why, like, if you were just looking at his character without any kind of context, you'd be like, yeah, that's kind of a shitty dude. But if you look at it from the perspective of, you know, somebody who's had to deal with the weight of expectation that he has, you could just be like, that dude is a fucking, first off, phenomenal actor. Second off, he really is just misunderstood for a lot of it, I think. Like, you know, obviously it's, you know, shitty that he's kind of self-centered. But aside from that, like, what fucking teenager isn't? Like, that is the worst period in your life. Of course you're going to be self-centered. So, yeah, I I could definitely see why people would want him on other shows because he does it perfectly. And, like, he's such a great character, like, in this, like, other show. Um, I can't even talk about his whole situation but basically it's like a it's not yeah but uh just um it's so (laughs) interesting too because like just 
th- this is why it's good to look at stuff modern day or like have like a like critical lens because I feel like this character is like oh and then this show gets so bad and this character so bad and I was like well not exactly the right. case happened here mm-hmm. and in once again I don't think necessarily that the show went bad it just went a different direction than what it started out as and yeah. honestly I prefer the original direction don't get me, me wrong I, I like when things were a little bit more slow calm once again the slow burn which is why I liked Kuga so much but it where this show is going isn't something that I'm necessarily opposed to either because it still has a lot of interest potential in it Um. Obviously, I wish yeah. a little bit less of the focus was on like the interpersonal relationships, but I mean, what can you do? No show does everything perfectly, but it, this still has an amazing cast of actors, and I have very much enjoyed the ride so far, and I will continue to do so. It's just different. Yeah, Um. and towards that, I actually really like the way everything's filmed in these past couple episodes. Like, the lighting is very interesting it's very disorienting there's lots of scenes of like them being in a weird colored area and Mm -hmm. like in these two episodes like okay they're under like some overpasses like but it's also like a like sense of travel in motion that's not in the series before this and not in other series and like just seeing them at night under like under like floodlights and being in alleyways there's something very cool about it that Mm -hmm. like is great like it does look really interesting and like I could see that being a natural progression or like if this was planned or just like better implemented it feeling very natural or like it like as it stands it kind of like feels like oh and here is this like point that's been crossed and now things have changed and now like society's getting like attacked more you know right yeah definitely and um there, once again, are a lot of things that I could object to, but one of the things that objectively got better in this new direction was the way that they handled kind of um, the camera work and working that into the storyline. There are actually a couple of places where I was very impressed with how they did that to kind of um, generate more interest within the story. Um, and it was really well done because almost if you were someone who was paying like a marginal amount of attention you probably wouldn't have caught it but if you are someone who's invested in the series you would pick up that they are using the camera work the lighting the atmosphere to really um generate a large part of the story i liked how much space they gave like asimu with his father and also they gave his mom Mm -hmm. i really liked their first conversation and their second one as well where they're like in like her taxi which we haven't seen for like 30 episodes you know yeah um there was a part of me that was almost wondering if she wasn't looking for him like she i kind of had this idea in my head that um maybe she knew what he was going to see so she was kind of waiting to be able to pick up the pieces because i mean obviously she knew that his dad was fucking up and by gen or judging by the age of the daughter in the restaurant, like he had been for a while. Um, so it was really 
it was really sweet that she not only picked him up and took him out to dinner, but, you know, she didn't really mention it or rub his face in it or, like, make it any more emotionally challenging for him. She just said, he's not perfect, I'm not perfect, like, nobody is, let's go grab something to eat. And I thought that was a really cool way to kind of play that storyline. Yeah, uh, I think the fact that there's been no communication just is so weird to me that there's like not at least like some memory there. Like you'd think that like the show wouldn't go out of its way to like be like he's such a great committed guy, except for this one thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like two people, including his child, who like are living like a pretty working middle class like they're in a two-bedroom apartment in like tokyo like that's mm-hmm. money like right. maybe he's paying for that whatever but like it just does feel weird that there's no like unless it hasn't been like 10 years or whatever and like he was too little but it did like did feel odd that they were like he's such a good guy and i like him but also he's living in a house <laughs> nearby with like a child and i've never met him you know Yeah, and also fuck that guy. Um, Yeah. (laughs) The part that I enjoyed, though, was um, Adachi kind of, like, coming to that realization within himself and going to the neighbor and being like, I'll build your dog's house. And realizing that that was, like, in a a kind of small way, a way to one-up his dad without having to, like, be very obvious about it. Um, And I just thought it it was really cute how he decided that that was how he was going to spend his evening and afternoon was just putting together this dog house and making the neighbor's dog happy and you know that shot of yeah the dog with like little name tag over it and this like snoopy dog house it just was the cutest thing in the world and just the fact that he got to do that on his own like that that is a piece of his confidence that nobody can take away from him i thought that was amazing and i loved the way that that was kind of put into the story and i really like the juxtaposition between we were so busy doing our own things and working and trying that we went apart from each other that he said okay i'm gonna take the time to actually care for the well-being of something and finish something and connect with something like that rejection through kindness of like that whole way of thinking that like his dad had to i like was like the high point for me of that whole like arc Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that um, I might be right reading too much into it. That might just be me. But I kind of feel like that's very much part of his character as a whole. Like he is very much focused on, Okay, yes, I am okay with doing small things to save the world, but I don't want to lose uh, my priorities Mm -hmm. um, on the people within it either. So, you know, and as the series progresses, that may or may not change, but that's definitely a um, a very sweet, innocent part of his character that I enjoy. I'm so worried that they're going to rush him or without proper motivation, push him to being a writer or like an Audie, because like, I really mm-hmm. love the way that he's doing things his own way and still having these relationships where like, I don't want him to decide he'll be like so against his character to decide that the verbiage or the action of being like an Ani is the only way he can do that when 
this whole thing's been well that's not true you know right right yeah and i'm with you i i very much hope that that um part of his character stays intact because it really does seem intrinsic with how he is as a person and if he lost that like i, I don't feel like he'd be the same person yeah and that's not what we want exactly we've had enough changes now we don't want any more thank you very much sir uh but speaking of changes uh there's episode 32 bursting song um i don't know if i have it in me to read as much of this in one go so i'm just gonna summarize my summary a little bit here and say uh there is a new doje and lahime um let's call these the kids because they're acting like children um Mm -hmm. there's a cool guy that spanks the police um the whole thing here is that um Koguru or yeah uh so Toguru is a um master weapon maker and like high up like um high up person from the main branch who comes and is just like very critical of, of like everyone and he also has a a like new weapon called the arm saber and then uh for episode 33 um we see more of uh the um this whole arc uh when uh the um two childlike parents have been hunting down the like plague doctors and like the like non-plague doctors and also um that the arm saber makes it so todoroki and hibiki cannot transform from how strong it is and then um when that gets like stolen and then brought back it takes a uh, much training for the two to be able to become like writers again mm-hmm. And then that leads to uh, the super form of Hibiki. So, yeah. um, These two episodes are interesting. (laughs) Uh, Fucking wild, honestly. I've got so many notes on every, from 32 on, I have pages and pages of notes that I took (laughs) on each episode because they all just continuously got more wild. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of Toguru? Um, honestly, at first, little creeped out. Not gonna lie. Um, he eventually did grow on me, and he ends up becoming the second of my favorite characters in this arc. Um, but it took some time. I'll admit, I don't think that there's any world where it's appropriate for a grown man to spank another grown man in public, especially if that other grown man is a cop. Um, so that was a bit weird. Um, hey, a cab <laughs> means all cabs, all cabs, uh, means all cops are naughty. Oh, yeah, I like it. Go for it, daddy. Um, uh, n- never, <laughs> please stop that. <laughs> um, I will say that one of the things that I enjoyed with these two episodes was them starting to kind of bring Zanki into the picture more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have liked his character from the beginning. I kind of like that, um, serious, mysterious thing that he does. And he's like, as serious as he is, he's very tender to the people he cares about. So I enjoy that. Um, and with Koguru, I didn't want to like him for a lot of, uh, episode 32, yeah. but then when he says that anything that, Midori says he respects. I was like, okay, but you know, he 
not nearly as difficult of a person as I thought he was. Like, he's willing to listen to other people, especially to her. Like, he recognizes she's brilliant. So I thought that was very cool of him. Um, And then, obviously, as, you know, we start to get more into it and he is able to train the boys and, and get them to the point that they need to be to be able to handle the weapon, I thought, okay, well, that actually wasn't nearly as useless of an addition as I thought it would be that turned out to be a neat storyline. So so episode 33 is the last episode with uh, the first intro and the ending. Uh, mm-hmm. Those both get cut. So um, at the end of episode 33, uh, they ask him to perform one more song. And he says, okay, like I'll perform like Shonen Yo, which is the ending song. And the last time that we hear it, he is the singer from both those songs and from this new song. Um, so he is like a like notable dude. Um, his name is Akira, like Fuse, uh, who is just an actual like singer, you know. Uh, but interesting. It was like one of those things. Where I was like, oh, he said, let's perform the ending song, and then uh, he did. Wow. Once married to Olivia Hussey, I don't know. Oh, uh, so just like a big singer. That's awesome. And um, because one of my complaints was um, we went through this transition where we're suddenly dealing with a new intro and outro. And I didn't appreciate that. It was jolting. Yeah. <laughs> it, the new was, intro was jolting. It was a lot. And I very much liked the um, the outro from before. It was that nice, calm outro. and um. You know, the intro was a little bit more exciting, but it wasn't as in your face as the new one was. So I was kind of dealing with separation anxiety with these episodes. Yeah, there's a lot, but also a little here, I feel like, where, like, I like seeing stuff like now Asamu is more critical of, like, Kyria and, like, seeing that, like, he's got sprained again and this kind of stuff. And, like, they're, like, having some tension there. But also, like, I did... I don't think we saw Asmu and like Koguro like talk either because they aren't in the episode, which it seems like weird that you wouldn't have your most vulnerable character meet your shitty character as far as like being critical, you know? I didn't even catch that before, but you're right. They don't have any, excuse me, they don't have any interaction and you would think that they would considering Asmu's um, ultimate goal. What do you think of the new parents and just the whole, like, what's going on in, like, the villain faction? Because to me, they definitely felt a lot less mystique and just they felt like they weren't as competent or, like, as dangerous. They definitely didn't feel that way at all. They felt like they were um, more siblings than anything, like the way they kept picking at each other. Um, And one of the things that I noted that I very much did not appreciate was the thing that I liked about the parents before was they always had the Mm -hmm. this. I I don't know if this is appropriate to say or not, but like that gender swap where the male would always be speaking with a female voice and vice versa. And I don't like that now everything is so very militantly heteronormative. It was so creepy when they were. Like when the only ones that had it right were the ones who were doing the experiments. Exactly. Yes. And I liked that even 
with that dynamic, it wasn't like this very childlike kind of playful vibe. It was very much like we're trying to get shit done here. So with these two kind of popping up and yeah, they were tougher enemies, but the way that they interacted with each other was kind of off putting to me because it was like you're going to be that playful with each other, but still be ultra tough for a rider to come fight. Like it, it doesn't gel. It doesn't make sense. And like, I like the idea of them hunting down the like puppets, but also why if they were puppets and I prefer the puppets as villains, they could just not talk and be like white and black. And there's like enough of them like where they could like get killed. And I was just kind of like, ah, why are they getting written out? Like, by these villains that like in the plot says are stronger, I guess, but like have way less mystique and like less horror to them, you know? Exactly. And you know, the way that they kind of like it in at one point they even do like paper, rock, scissors. Yeah. It's like, come the fuck on. Like you're kind of treading on all of the things that made these parent characters something that were kind of like inherently creepier, something to be feared before, like you're trampling all over that legacy and you're not really adding anything to it except for just, oh, look, here's some comic relief. It's, I don't know, it felt like it took more away than it added. And in the old show, why are the parents missing would have been its own arc, you know? Yeah, 100%. And for the fact that, they just kind of said, eh, well, fuck it. This is who you have to deal with now. It's just like, okay, well, I mean, we had a pretty good dynamic up till now. Why are you ghosting me on Tinder? Come on, dude, give me a reason. Yeah. What do you think of um, the new form? Um, I, okay, this is complicated. I liked the way that Hibiki was able to pick up the sword and wield it after the training. I thought that, that was very cool. Um, and I liked that obviously he got to, you know, kind of get that boost of self-confidence and, and, you know, kind of show off his power. I was not nearly as impressed by that as I was with his transformation to the, um, what is it? The, the red power or the the current eye form. Yeah. Like the crimson form. Yeah. The crimson form. Yes. Thank you. That's the one. Because this one, it felt so um rushed like with the crimson form yeah. it's like he you you got to go through kind of that transition and training with him and then with the weapon form you got a couple of good um scenes with him and Todorki and and I mean they were okay but it didn't feel nearly as much like he had worked for that as he had for the crimson form so it was it was like okay, great, he gets to defeat the bad guy, but I don't feel like I got any um, lead up to it. Yeah, no, like, one thing that happens with these shows is, like, they have to have, like, bigger and better toys, and I think, like, that's where it comes to, hey, have a sword. Like, you haven't had a sword. You haven't had, like, a sword yet, and you need, like, your ultimate form. And, like, with both of those forms, I was kind of like, I liked this show best when it didn't really, like, have those, but for armed form, it just felt like, okay, and here's something that breaks the rules of what's happened so far. And like that can work for like a big final form, but it just kind of came from nowhere and just happened. And it wasn't really that big of a change to things afterwards so far either. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I actually had an issue with was the fact that 
up until this point, um, we had been kind of dealing with all these monsters as they came up um, in different like musical forms and in dealing with, um, you know, the, the heroes having their instruments and, and utilizing them in different ways. And then all of a sudden we just throw a sword in Biggie's hands. I was like, we're, we're kind of screwing up the whole dynamic that's been built this entire series. Like, why does this have to be a thing right now? I don't know. It just felt like it, it could have waited a bit. It could be as simple as like putting a limit on it or as simple as giving the other writer something too. But now like for Hibiki, he's gotten two upgrades over them, you know? Right. Right. And all the rest of them are just kind of still struggling to find their way. And it's just, I don't know. It feels strange. I know he's supposed to be painted as like the um, the most experienced one or whatever, but it's still it it doesn't feel as balanced as it should be. Yeah, no, it doesn't, and that does suck for how like much the show kind of like made that work in the first half, even like after that super form came up uh, with the mm-hmm. uh, the current eye form. But yeah, um. It was 32 um, bursting song and 33 arm blade, but now here's 34 beloved beauty and 35 fallen angel. Um, Hinaka's birthday goes really bad, and Todoroki <laughs> gets depressed. Uh-huh. Then everybody else deals with their own feelings of being cheated on by people they haven't asked out yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's also some cicadas. Uh and that's this arc basically. Uh what do you think? Is there anything else like important here? The only other thing that I n- noted aside from those was just first off the fact that he was struggling to eat with um a fork and spoon as opposed to chopsticks made me laugh because I had the same experience trying to teach my wife to eat with chopsticks as opposed to a fork and spoon when we were out at a Japanese restaurant. So I, I had to admire that. Um, the only other thing is I thought cicadas were a Southern U.S. thing. So to see them brought up in this series, I was just like, I am both delighted and horrified. So I, I thought that was amazing. <laughs> And maybe that's just like the metaphor they're choosing. Oh, cicadas, 17 years. Aren't you finally a teen and have throbbing hearts and love? And maybe that's like the metaphor that's like being deployed there. Maybe a little bit, but it's not super like in depth, I guess. But uh, yeah. um, So their dinner date was straight out of Kamen Rider Ryuki. Because like that's like a show, for example, where like there's this character that like tries to propose to his girlfriend by putting like um, the ring on like a hard boiled egg, but the egg cracks because it wasn't boiled enough. And like, it gets everywhere. Like it's a weird, like the tension of like <laughs> pulling the fish out from his pocket too. Uh, that, <laughs> that whole thing I have to say made me laugh hysterically. Just for the simple fact that I have a hard time believing that anybody could be that clueless, but the fact that he did it from such a sweet, innocent place, I really felt for him in that moment because he he thought he was doing the right thing. He really did. And when he explains it later on, it made me laugh even harder because I was just like, 
okay, he really did think that this was the way to go with this. So, I don't know, maybe if she was a different kind of girl, she'd have been like, hell yeah, I've been looking for one of these. But um, the only thing that really, really creeped me out about that was the animation that they do on the fish where it wings at her. Um, I think that was our first uh, exposure in this series, at least, to uh, really creepy CGI. And I was just like, what is happening right now? Like, this is something out of a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. I do just really appreciate how far they went into, like, making him, like, a parody, though, and being like, okay, um, now we can't eat anything without, like, destroying, like, the ground around him. And, like, there's a point, like, later where, like, he throws a hamburger onto, like, Kasumi's, like, head, too, and, like, makes her, like, real embarrassed. So it's just like, okay, he now can't be in any kind of civilized situation. Yeah, it was kind of weird, and that's actually one of the notes that I made was they, um, I mentioned earlier that it kind of seemed like Akira and um, Asumi, like, came back to the series looking a little bit older than they had before. Meanwhile, his character almost seemed like it had regressed in a way. Like Definitely. he went, he, um, I mean, he wasn't always the most mature character anyway. He definitely played like a young, uh, 20s, like late teens guy. He always kind of had that, like, not quite Hibiki quality about him. But all of a sudden, like, in these couple of episodes, he seemed like he didn't know how to act in public all of a sudden anymore. And it was yeah. just really bizarre the way that they regressed that and then kind of like pushed it to maturity like all of a sudden it was just it was very strange and quick and kind of felt like some of the story was missing with him no yeah because like you definitely like get that thing that happens in like a 10 season show where like a character goes from like i'm a little neurotic to like late series like fraser stuff you know like that's just like how characters go but it's just very pronounced here because they're trying to make different make a different show and different kind of conflicts happen they just mm-hmm. that's what they have to do i guess but yeah it's odd because he just completely can't do anything anymore he's like 26 apparently which is yeah and it's weird yeah. because he kind of went from this background character with this background romance to being at the forefront and then you suddenly like find out he's been almost uh, what is that they call it like flanderized like with the Simpsons. Yes, there you where go. Where all of a sudden he's like a non-functional, and you're like, he hasn't been this guy this entire time. He's been a little bit immature, but he's always been able to hold his own. So why are they suddenly playing him like an idiot now? Like it, it was just weird. I mean, I'm glad that they got him back on track eventually, but it was just very strange and almost uncomfortable to see him be so incompetent for these couple of episodes to where like he couldn't even fight because he was just so hung up on this bad date experience that didn't seem rational for um somebody who was a hero in everyday life at all yeah no and it just feels like also like i feel like i missed something maybe with how mad she was at him and i was like well you know what you're in for at this point i guess like unless this also happened to you and you were also what happened to you in like these like two weeks we weren't like around but like she does know what he's about and what he does and this shouldn't be that surprising you know 
And that was the other thing. And actually, one of the things I noted was Hanaka up to this point has never shown any sign of a temper, any sign of being like somebody who was hard on people or judgmental or anything like that. And she definitely has not given him any of that. So why is it all of a sudden they turned him into incompetent and her into a complete shrew? Like, where did this come from? It really didn't seem to be playing to either of their characters up to this point at all. Like her whole thing before this was like, man, I'm going to like just put a rope on that goofy motherfucker and ride him. Like that was her whole thing before this, you know? Exactly. And I'll just kind of, you know, ride the waves as they come. And, you know, she's always been kind of just whatever happens, happens. You know, she was almost like Hibiki in that way. Like, you know, I'll deal with things as they come and I'll do it with a sense of humor. And then all of a sudden she turns into this like emo 17 year old. It was just, it was weird how they kind of took this situation and used it to regress both of them actually. Like, I liked her when she was just like horny for a dude that worked for her dad. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And like, and like, I get this is also like a case like Karaya where like it kind of makes sense as like, oh, maybe once you're like dating somebody versus like flirting with them, like you're like priorities change, but isn't given the space to make sense. It's not like it's like a mounting thing. It's just like a sudden thing. Like if over time was like, hey, I want you to do like this more and more. And I guess like we kind of get that in the previous episode where like she's upset that he can't sing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like very sudden here. Well, even with that in the episode where it shows that he can't really sing, like she does that or she kind of like plays to his emotions in a very manipulative way that we haven't seen from her before. Like she fake cries and kind of like makes him promise he'll take his lessons more seriously. Um, which is something that she's not done in any other respect before. So it it kind of almost sets up right there how they're changing the characters. I did a note when that happened that was like, why are you doing this, Hinaka? All you need is easy mech and pussy and you can teach this guy anything. Pretty much. I mean, and even the easy mech is probably negotiable. And he's pretty hard up. You'd be fine. But on top of that, like, their characters went from barely speaking to each other aside from, like, pleasantries to all of a sudden they're, like, full-on dating and she's disappointed because he didn't plan the right date. Like, it it was a very weird transition for them to make. And they do that thing where, like, like, you hear somebody talking, but they don't finish talking when she's like, oh, maybe I should date somebody like a bookie. But then, like, she finishes talking without saying, like, but I love Todoroki. He's like what I want. Like that never happened. So like she's just really like, yeah, I really fucking hate this dude. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's wild because like I've never like he, the whole time I was like, oh, and he's going to run away and she's going to finish talking. But it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what was strange about that is. First off, she has never shown any, like, second glance at Ibuki before this. So there was no reason for that to even be something that popped up. Second off, Ibuki really isn't that much more mature than Tadorki is. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And third off, just that whole him suddenly becoming so emo was just very bizarre and out of character for everything he's played up to this point. I think that... um they make it clear later that she's like 
talking to her sister who likes Ibuki and she's just like saying like personality type and not like Ibuki himself. But at the moment mm-hmm. I was like, that's odd. Exactly. Uh, yeah. What do you think of um how Asumu is like, oh no, I'm getting cucked at school. <laughs> like it like that was really weird to me. He was like didn't Yeah. Yeah. It was weird to me because up to this point like it's always been kind of an unspoken thing that he has a thing for this girl but then all of a sudden he sees another guy talking to her in it being his frenemy or whatever you want to call him and now all of a sudden he's depressed about it like dude she has been following you around for years now now you're suddenly upset that another guy's paying her attention like fucking get with it and after they start talking again, he still doesn't make a move. He's still just like, oh, I'm glad I misunderstood. And then runs off to the bathroom. Come the fuck on. As, like, she's not going to be waiting around forever. She's a cheerleader. I mean, I could have sworn there's a point earlier in this show where they basically talked around and said, hey, it's all right. We still like each other. Right. But like, the, it was even more explicit here where like, it was just like, Oh, it's fine. Like, I'm not dating anybody. It's like, oh, yeah, well, that's good. And they're both very happy. And then it's like, okay, you want to like pick it up? Like, like, there's no subtext available. It's just like, can we like go to the fucking movies or some shit or like a local theme park and just like hang out? Like, nothing's going to change besides like you might like kiss, you know? Like, what is going to change in your life if you like just, just shore this up, I guess, or like realize this, you know? Yeah, and I feel like that was the most infuriating part for me because I I just wanted to shake him and be like, you realize that you were this close to losing her once. Like, do you want to maybe ask for some kind of commitment or a date or, you know, fucking take her out for pizza. Do something, dude. You can't just be walking around fawning over her, expecting her to wait for you for the rest of your life. Like, quit being ridiculous. I did kind of like this, though, because, like, in the previous episodes, we see Kariya talk to her about, like, trying to get details about, like, Hibiki and, like, Asabu. And so, like, presumably that's what he's talking to her about later. But when, like, he tells, like, Asabu, oh, yeah, like, girls in the school, like, love giving love letters. Like, they're so forward. Is he, like, not actually being an asshole about that? Like, he might just be, like, incidentally... Like, oh, yeah, this one girl gave me, like, a, lo- a like love letter through your friend, but, like, not her. Like, he didn't seem like he was actually trying to m- to make him think that, which is kind of, like, rare for him to not twist whatever knife he could, you know? Yeah, and that was actually something that I couldn't, I couldn't quite definitive, definitively answer myself was I wasn't sure if he was kind of saying that to rub his face in it because he knew that they were close or if he was just kind of like making an offhand comment because he is one of those characters where it's kind of hard to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, there's no way he didn't notice that he had kind of caused some kind of tension, whether he did it intentionally or knew what he was doing. I, I probably will never know, but um, once again, well played. I mean, he definitely caused the kind of turmoil that you would expect him to want to cause. So, yeah. Um, and we 
get Ibuki getting messed up because he sees Kasubi touching a man and then he can't play like his trumpet anymore. And then like later on, it's like super throwaway. Oh, it was her dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, Which, was that all necessary? When that happened exactly, I was like, you don't know what her fucking dad looks like. Like you work with this dude day in and day out. You didn't catch that. Like, and then for it to suddenly become like Hibiki realizes how important Midori is to him. I was like, come on. Like, we all have known that's going to happen. Can you just not? Can you just not? Everybody else is doing this. Can you just not? But, I mean, he still doesn't jump in head first like all the other guys are. So I'll give him that. Yeah. And, like, I'm pleasantly surprised that Hibiki his love interest wasn't Kasumi because they were like working together. I just assumed that was going to happen to have a love triangle or whatever, like, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm glad it's not her. Um, I think I would buy Hibiki realizing that he likes Midori. If like he'd had like a near death experience, Cause, like he seems like that kind of dude. It's like, Oh, like I'm going to die. I should probably like do something about this. Like, you know? Right. And honestly, when it comes to, um, Oh gosh, why did his name just escape me all of a sudden? Main character. Uh for Asimu or for the Hibiki? Asimu, yes, I'm sorry. Um, I honestly still think that something is going to happen and Akira's gonna be the one for him. Honestly. I don't, yeah. It, it kind of seems like they have this very stilted admiration of each other. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I I like, still think that's going to be the one for him. They definitely have like the most like tension there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also like to add to that, I feel like both girls have basically said, yeah, he likes us. We like him. Let's go fucking like tease him at gym and shit. And exactly. at work, let's just yeah. like torment this dude and be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? And I think he he must like girls that treat him like he's a fucking idiot. That's, well, that's how else can they treat him? Let's be fair. Well, very true, very true. <laughs> but I think because Akira was meaner to him first, that's probably going to end up being the love of his life. Because we all know how that that's how that goes. Yeah. No. Uh. Just. Yeah. Or it'll be like, man, my childhood friends just like. Five percent more virginal, so get fucked. You know that's how things go sometimes. These very but, true. I think we're in for a surprise either way. I do want to call out though that um, there's this really cool pier that's like all lit in like orange yellow from the sunrise or something that they keep like returning to in this, this like arc that looks incredible. I don't know why they have it, but they're like in their like partially like untransformed like heads out like mode. And they're on this like pier and like they're talking about stuff there. It's just, like such a cool vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and that is one of several very cool shots within this series. Even if they completely change the way that the characters act, they are amazing with the camera work. I cannot complain about that at all. The last important thing here is that Zanki tries to help as a like sex haver and it just does not work at all. That was probably one of the funniest things in the entire series up to this point, honestly, was just 
her kicking him out and throwing water on him and Zanky having to sit in the background and be like, oh, I fucked up. I loved it. I loved that whole couple of minutes of that show. My favorite part of that was when you went back to Zanky and he had like four dudes looking at him. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I think what made it funny is Zanky just completely having that don't give a fuck look on his face. Like, eh, did my best. Time to go eat some dumplings. Like, whatever. <laughs> and we have one more episode, which is, is a cliffhanger. Perhaps the most frustrating end we've had to the show so far uh, because of the arc that we're in for the, um, which characters, but uh, episode mm-hmm. 36, Starving Shuki. Um, at the end of the last episode, Kuraya stalked Hakira to her apartment um, and then tries to get like ratio from her. At the same time, the Ani armor has gone missing, which is an armor that allows a regular person to uh, become as strong as Ani. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, um, there's also a um, very strong Makamo like around, um, like they're trying to like fix. We get a um, health update on Zenki where he no longer has like a hurt knee. He just has could die disease, but not can't fight disease anymore. It's good mm-hmm. to know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of questioning on what it means to be like an Ani and like Akira wanting to know why she isn't or why she can, which is like spurned by like Raya saying the fact that she's still going to school means that she's not sure she can do it. Um, and that leads to um, meeting a flower tripping teacher who we later see is like Zinke's old master, like Shuki who uh, was forced to, to quit being like an Ani. But in the end, she, she steals um, like Todoroki's like, changer and returns to her form. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens here. Um, thoughts? I will say that my very first note on this episode is I hate it here now. Um, really? <laughs> I, okay, first off, um... I do appreciate the fact that Akira stands her ground. Like he's trying to pump information out of her and she literally calls him an idiot to his face. Like I thought that was amazing. Love it. Love that fact that they did not take her personality away from her. You go girl. Um, the, I don't like that the show has started at this point, relying so much on that kind of corny looking CGI. I liked the um, like the costumes and the models that they had before. It made everything feel a lot more um, engaging. So the really crappy computer animations I could definitely live without. And then kind of having to throw a, a Zanke's master in at the last possible moment. It, it I don't know. It just... It felt like a twist we could have gone a couple of episodes more without just because so much has happened recently. Um, So I'm still not quite sure how to process all of this, especially because we've already been told that Zanky can't 
transform without endangering himself. So I'm I'm kind of left to wonder how in the future we're going to deal with this new problem that's popped up. Well, that's why, like I said, um, he no longer has can't fight good disease. He has he could die from transforming disease, which means he's going to start transforming more and being part of the action and then like tragically have some issue probably like that's like how this works you know like he'll fight till his heart breaks and like it's like fine which is like better than oh he's fine but he's just not healthy when it comes to fighting you know which which is shitty <laughs> like i don't yeah. love that because like i liked him as a non-actor you know i hate that series. i have to keep describing things as this in this latest series of shows that we've watched but once again that just feels cheap it feels yeah. like we could have done another way around this and just like um in the arm saber and like the like hunted down parents thing like those could have been two arc instead of one i think the same could be said here where i think the ani armor that lets somebody who's not an ani become one and the crisis of faith for Kakira and the master for Zanki coming back all could have been their own two episode arcs, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that that's part of the reason why I just wrote, I hate it here. It was just, it was too much happening at one time. And I think, you know, a lot of people have watched movies, TV shows, played games, whatever, where that's happened, where it just feels like you're constantly bombarded by all these things that you can't fix. Um, I, really just felt like it was kind of overwhelming in this situation to have so many big emotional things happening at one time. And just the framing of Shuki as like teaching flower trimming and like also the stuff about like being forced to quit and the way it's also happening as Akira is having her crisis of like faith. I don't know where it's going to end up next time. It does give me like a media vibe of, are they going to do bad at gender here? <laughs> Which like could be the case. Like they, the show hasn't done the worst so far. It's definitely leaning in this new era of the show towards those issues. But like, I don't want them to fuck up a very important character here. Like, I don't want like this to be like the arc for Kakira, but it shared with, two other arcs and it's not really like about her actual issues it's about more generic issues or about like parts of her personality that that like are being like kind of like squashed and stretched you know yeah and i'm i'm almost afraid that that's kind of the direction it's headed and the only reason i say that is because the show has suddenly decided to put um scenes from the next episode on their outro which i fucking yeah. hate um, I liked the old outro instead, but whatever. But anyway, it kind of shows her and the master sitting around a fire talking. And I was like, God damn it. Come on. Like, just because she's yeah. another female and she's an Oni doesn't mean that she has to look up to her. Like, you know, she's been following a bookie this entire time. Follow the guy that you already know is good. Why do you have to go for someone who's already fucking stolen something? Like, <sighs> anyway. I'm probably jumping to conclusions, but I I already hate where I'm afraid this is going. No, yeah. Um, and, like, female writers are, like, such a crapshoot sometimes because, like, 
they don't they ride a line of like they aren't always like they're they can sometimes like what's the opposite of like a manic pixie like dream girl like a goth or like a moody they can be very like sundere and stuff and they can be very whatever but like romantic or not they could end up reaffirming the feelings of the male writers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i guess you mean that uh emotional labor thing yeah it's like i think they're gotten a little better but like they are not as prominent as they should be on the whole and i like want to see like them get more opportunities but like i don't know if like shuki's gonna be a recurring character after this like i think she might have this arc and like die or leave or get captured, you know? Right. And and that may very well be the case. And I might be making a mountain amount out of a molehill. I'm just going on experience from seeing female characters in other shows. And once again, this show surprised me several times. So I might be completely off base. um, And I hope I am. Um, But it'll be interesting to see either way. Like I have said several times, um, I don't like a lot of the directions the show has gone, but it's still not a bad show. And I've definitely enjoyed the experience of watching it. So getting to, you know, hold through till the end will definitely give me some great notes in my notebook, if nothing else. And the whole like hatred of Ani and like how that's going to be what binds the two, I guess, I guess like, there were I would love if somebody else was the mentor or like the, the like female like aide that like she went to besides like this new character who like is trying to do both things at the same time too, where like it's like, oh, um, here is what it means to want to be an Ani and to hate like Makamo and stuff. And, like the whole like, oh, your parents were killed and like it's like, okay, we didn't hear this before, did we? Like this no, and that was the other thing. I, I actually had a, a note to ask you about that, if that was something I had missed, because I feel like up to this episode, I never knew that. I just assumed her parents were alive and just not very attentive because she was always out with this guy who was twice her age. Um, So this really is just something we're just learning now. We should fuck it up. Um, unless, like they say later oh and she's from one of the founding families which and like that's why we've shared stewardship of her after her parents died or whatever sure but like it just seems so weird that i if the secret isn't so much that you would have to kill her which we have shown it to be that Mm -hmm. takes away a lot of the momentum that other superhero media has for raising a child in the order kind of thing Mm mm-hmm so if, if it's like not a secret that same way where like just the way like culture works, we it's okay if you know we don't have to kill you. That means we also don't have to train you and make you part of the system. So like they're they could just like provide for her and be like, Hey, you have an apartment. <laughs> like we know that you saw this or your like your family like died in this way. Um you have an apartment, come work at the tea shop, but also we're not gonna make you be become a soldier you know right right yeah that and when you put it that way it actually kind of brings you more questions than answers on her past so it's gonna be interesting to see how they i was gonna say how they resolve this but they may or may not so i liked it better what happens (laughs) 
I liked it better when we thought her parents were just like really okay, cool. <laughs> or like signed her off or like, okay, go be an Ani. Like like that was cooler to me because it's like, oh, this is kind of fucked up. But like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no. We don't even like that one that much. So yeah, go ahead, take her train to Peter, whatever. I don't care. Just don't bring her home tonight. We we're busy. Yeah. Um I hope she gets more, but I just yeah, this show is like yeah. the place where I'm worried about her too. And like it like almost seems like this arc might be about getting Zanky back into action, which would suck if that's like what comes from it. Um yeah, I'm we kind of worried yeah. about everyone at this point. So, yeah, I'm with you. Oh, uh, we didn't talk about the new opening, which kind of hits like a truck. It like cuts in with like these like intercuts into scenes that are like the like drum signal. And it's like supposed to be more modern. But to me, my media thought was this seems like an older show when this intro comes on. Like it seems like it's like much more classic. Like it. It's like trying to be something it's not, you know? I didn't like the new intro just simply for the fact that all of a sudden it went from being um, an intro that made you feel like you were watching a um, a show with... Oh, God. This is going to sound so weird. Um, the intro that we initially started with feels like it fits more with um the depth that we were dealing with before and kind of like the slow burn um whereas this new one is very like brash and in your face it is almost like a power rangers opening um so it seems a little bit less mature in in some way and a little bit more like you're supposed to be expecting a certain amount of like action while on the other hand, changing the show to be more about like adult relationship problems. So it was a very weird mix of how they, they separated the show in the intro. Yeah. The show does just feel kind of weightless right now in a way that right. I like. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so I have one more question and then we'll um, plug ourselves. Then after that, do our like favorites and our like MVPs. But um with that, um, I do want to say what how do you think you might have taken this if I hadn't taken that sidebar last time and said, hey, this show's about to change? <laughs> um, I feel like instead of us kind of reconnecting on our recording night like we usually do, you would have gotten several angry Discord messages throughout the week where I was like, Kip, what the fuck is happening right now? Kip. Answer me. I don't care if you're asleep. Tell me what is happening right now. Um, so fortunately, you warned me so you didn't have to deal with that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 on one hand, was expecting it. On the other hand, I was like, why, 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 why is this happening right now? So yeah, it, it, was, it was very emotional. It was a roller coaster for me. Yeah, it's just like, it's <laughs> like, um, it felt like when you know, somebody's car is going to get towed versus mm-hmm. like if it happened out of nowhere it's like oh wow that really did happen that like sucked for them they were that like inside or something and like it like really changed things but like, it's just like something so weird about it just if i i wouldn't know how to deal with it without knowing it right and i hadn't seen the show so i like was like i guess just talking about it's better because 
we would have been fucked up if we hadn't had the conversation or like at the end of today, I was like, also the show's writing staff changed it. Surprise. Right. Yeah. And definitely it would have been a lot more jarring because I walked into episode 30, like, okay, Kip already warned me. We're going to have some changes. It's going to be a little bit more weird, whatever. 30 actually wasn't terrible. I like, it wasn't a, big yeah no um it wasn't a big fork in the road from where we'd been but already having that expectation and kind of watching the shows that came after it and watching it slowly kind of lose its shit from where it was when i first started watching it i was like okay this is much more manageable now because i already had the expectation coming in had i not mm-hmm. i would have just been like why is everybody losing their minds all of a sudden what is going on so yeah it definitely made it easier i will say that yeah. Uh like I said, I really want to see the what if for the show. You know? One hundred percent. But uh with that, um what if people want to find you when you're not talking about Toku stuff? Um, I would tell them to go find me battling a terrible CGI monster, but also maybe be um come find me on Twitter under at hat underscore sis or on Instagram under nobody much. All right. You can find uh, me on Twitter at James Forge. You can find the podcast at common ride with me on Twitter and Instagram. There is a podcast at common for questions. Um, do let us know on our top eight from before. Uh, I will actually read those out like a responsible podcaster and edit yes. out the part where I don't do that. <laughs> uh, so our top eight for fall are Come Rider Fies, Come Rider Deno, Come Rider Kiva, um, Ultraman Ginga, Garo, Ultra Q, Power Rangers RPM, and Heisei Godzilla. So that top eight, those are the eight right there, and we're gonna bring that down to four for next time on our movie episode. But uh, and just your general questions and responses. And then uh, for that, um, if you go to podcast at carbonrepi dot or no uh, to carbonrepi dot com for all the episodes and articles, there is a slash episodes on carbonrepi dot com to find each episode with links to different platforms and uh, slash merch for our merch. Uh, we probably need more of it, but uh, <laughs> we're adding some more for uh, what has gone down here. I think. Uh, but no, uh, and that just leaves uh, our MVPs and our, what's the other thing that we do? Our favorite monster? Favorite monster and top three favorite uh, characters. So Steph, what was your favorite monster? My favorite monster was, uh, gotta go with the flaming hula hoop monster, just because first new very strong monster that we've seen up to this point um and definitely a lot of fun to get to watch in action and to kind of uh watch them try and figure out how to defeat it so yeah that's that's gonna be my vote yeah um my number one monster has to be uh the executives that uh changed the writing staff the, the very good job this time wow yeah you you beat me there uh maybe like the um like female parent that like 
stepped on the other one's balls. Like, that's yeah. a good monster. No mercy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, who are your MVPs for characters this time around? Um, how do you pronounce his name? The one that was spanking all the boys? Kogare? Yes, that one. Definitely him. And uh, Kiraya? 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 That's a lot. Jesus, what is wrong with me? Yeah, that one. Um, And I'm definitely going to have to go with my boy Zanke. Those are my top three for this week. This is hard. Um, I'm going to pull in some old heavy hitters, some old reliables. I'm going to say Mrs. Hadachi. Uh, She was pretty good. Oh, yeah. With what she had. Um, Mm -hmm. Zanke... Yeah, he's definitely a character that became more prominent without like losing some of his stuff, but also he's gone from like a retired dude to like a dude going back into it, I think, which I don't love, but like he's still there. Uh, he's got that lethal weapon vibe. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, and I guess uh, this last one's hard to do. I'm going to go with Midori. Uh, still sexy as hell. Um, yeah. pr- pretty consistent. That's as much you can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, until next time, um, I ain't got no crystal ball. Daddy's gone for five. <laughs> Steph, any words from you? Um, hold on. Running through the song in my head. Oh, sorry. Running too slow. Can't help you. What is what does bowling for soup mean to you, Steph? Um, well, actually, I don't live uh, entirely too far away from where they were born and raised, so it means um, the songs "You're a Bitch, But I Love You Anyway" because it's actually something that my now wife and I used to sing to each other when we were just girlfriends. And uh, 1919, 1985.